Hey, coming up on the podcast, we break down all the divisional NFL playoff action. Uh, A lot to talk about. Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, the Niners, the Cowboys, so much to get to. Is Patrick Mahomes healthy? we got a lot to talk about tonight. Plus, we're going to talk broadcasters tonight. Uh, Who do we like that's left in the broadcast booth this weekend? Are we excited for more Greg Olson? More Tony Romo? No Troy Aikman? A lot to get to. Zach? Ryan, me, couple weeks left of the football pod, folks. You got to enjoy it while we got it. Let's keep it going. The NFL pod is next. Hey, it's the Tim Anderson podcast. I'm Tim. That's my buddy Rhino on the right side. Finally got his goddamn microphone to work. It only took us 25 extra minutes. Good on you. You're doing father duties tonight. And on the other side is my good buddy, the coach, Zach Knee Neighbor, also flying solo doing dad duties tonight. So there is a chance I'm talking to myself at some point in this podcast. Zach, how are you? (laughs) I'm good. I'm, uh, it's been a nice couple days off of work here, although not I would not say relaxing couple days off of work. Yeah, because um, you're just home at that point, right? That's just free childcare day. Yeah, home. I'm home with the kids, right? Yeah, we didn't have childcare, so um, we went to the library today. Um, we've we've done some other stuff, but it, it is not a it is not a day off. It's just different challenges. Yeah, it's not a sleep in day and you know, catch up on your mat lockery runs on Pluto or anything like that. Like it's uh it's uh gotta gotta put on the the whatever the kids watch now. Is they what do they what do they watch? What's the cartoon of choice? Uh well it depends on which kid gets to pick. If it's the three year old we're watching PJ Masks <laughs> and it, the two year old uh is still into Baby Shark. Oh boy. Oh boy. Have you thought about when, when do we get them into the eighties stuff? Like uh, a He-Man and GI Joe's and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. When do we go down that road? Uh, so G has started watching some of like the older Disney movies. So he, lo- he loves watching Lion King. Ooh. Okay. Um, but he also will walk up to random people and then lean in and whisper to them. <laughs> I killed Mufasa. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that works. I like that. That's something. At least we're making some progress there. Yeah, uh, I don't know if we want him identifying with Mufasa, but sure. Or Scar, you mean? Or yeah, with Scar, yeah. I want yeah. him to identify with Scar. Scar's tough. That's a tough, tough scene. Hey, I want to open with this. I saw this on my way home today, and I figured this falls into the category of just when I thought I'd seen it all. So I'm getting gas at the uh, at the local gas station on my way home. And here comes this girl coming out. First of all, it's it's 30 degrees outside in the uh, in the just outside of Minneapolis. Just a nice 30 degree day here in January. It's going to be below fucking zero on uh, Saturday. But hey, whatever. Anyway, she comes out. She's got her tank top on her pajamas. Five o'clock in the afternoon. Pajama pants, tank top. And she's got her phone in her hand that she's talking on. She's got her coffee cup. She's got a couple other things she's holding on to. She gets to the car and she can't open the door. So you say to yourself, well, maybe I put the phone down for a second. Nah, can't do that. Can't, can't, can't do that. Can't set the soda down. Can't set the coffee down. Nope, can't do that. Tries to open the car door with her foot. 
and that's not that's not working because the the crock the, the the crock that she is wearing apparently too too thick too rubber can't get it done so she takes off the crock so she can get more leverage with her with her foot and tries to open the car door again meanwhile two people are in the car and they're not opening the door for her. She's sitting here trying to negotiate this door with her foot and she can't open it. Finally, like in a, out of like Ripley's Believe It or Not, she finds the dexterity to pop the door open. And then she's got to shoulder her way in to keep the door open. And she sits down in the car and I'm just sitting there going, you know what? It was a good run. You know, we had a good go of it here in America. We really did. It was, you know, damn near 300 years, Ryan. You know, I thought we made some headway here. We saw some good. You know, we made a good go of it. But but it's, yeah, a, but it's sadly you know, over. I got to tell you, I saw today on Twitter, Damar Hamlin truthers. Oh, and I got to tell you, I, I, think, I think we got less than 10 years left. I, I, I think it's, like you said, it's been a good run, but we got... We got less than ten years. Well, according Clock's to ticking. the Doomsday Clock, we've got ninety seconds. So, <laughs> you know what? There are worse ways to go out. It's it's just the most. I I've I've just I've run out of words, guys. It's like I feel like I live in a I live in the Twilight Zone. Like I just can't figure. I I don't know what to make of it anymore. Like I'm just lost. Somebody's got to help me here. Uh, I don't know, but I had to share that story because I'm still dumbfounded by it. So, uh, uh, we'll maybe turn that into a weekly segment down the road of just, just when you thought you'd seen it all, here's something new. So that was the new one today. I just have never seen anything quite like it. It was, it was pretty incredible. It's pretty incredible. Besides the fact that I handed my seniors a 17 page story to read today and they looked at me like I made them read Homer's Odyssey. Like, like I asked, here, here's Warren East to read. Have it done by the end of the hour. What? How are we supposed to read all of this? This is unbelievable. Like I said, we're all done, folks. We're all done. You know, you can you can read 17 pages pretty easy if you put your phone down. Oh, so you can't do that. How do you do both? You can't multitask. I also saw an app today or yesterday. No, it was today during CT time. No, it was yesterday. Uh, there's a there's a software out there. I'm not even going to give the name of it because I don't want to give. Hang it on, name. hang on, hang on. I want to get this. So this software, all you have to do is type in like a thesis statement, and it'll write the whole damn paper for you coherently, at like at a sophisticated level in the rubric. That's remarkable. Inside of five minutes, and it's borderline untraceable because it's not plagiarized. Nobody else wrote it. An algorithm wrote it. So if you and I type in the same thesis statement, will we get the same? That's the only thing I need to find out. Ooh. That's the only thing I need to find out. But if you and I, we should test this almost. This is just to see if we do. But I read what it cranked out. It did a three-page paper in five minutes. And I couldn't wow. believe it. The solution to that is easy. We're back to paper, pencil, and yep. we're doing it in class. Guess what our Friday, that's what our Monday, Tuesday final exam of the unit is. And they were like, Anderson, that's bull. What are you saying? No, you can't do that. I'm like, we have to. We have no choice. I have to read your bullshit handwriting and your horrible penmanship, but that's what I got to do, folks. Sorry. Like I said, good game, America. We had a good run of it. Got a lot to be proud of around here. 
We built Las Vegas, and that was pretty cool. Good job. But it's all over now. All right, guys. I suppose we should talk football. Where do you want to start? I'd like to, I guess I'd like, can we start with Buffalo, uh, Cincinnati? Is that okay to start there? Absolutely. Yeah, it's fine. Because I think that the storyline of the weekend, I still feel like came out of there, right? Do you feel like, Ryan, that Josh Allen has lost his place as a top five quarterback in the league? And guys like Lawrence and Burrow, if Burrow wasn't in there already, he's in there now. But do you feel like guys like Lawrence and others have ascended Jalen Hurts, maybe, for example? Josh Allen, now we look at and we say, that may have taken a step back. Did we not? Well, it's it's kind of an exclusive group, right? I mean, it's it's always been an exclusive group. I'm trying to think of four, you know, five quarterbacks that I'd rather have than Josh Allen. I mean, I, I think I'd probably take Burrow. I think I'd probably take Hurts. Lawrence is close. I think Lawrence, for me, is a coin flip. Uh because say what you want, I mean, it's. I don't think that that Lawrence would have fared any better than Josh Allen did this weekend against against Cincinnati. Obviously, he was against Kansas City, so it's a different ball game. But I think Mahomes is better than than Allen. I don't know if there's a. I don't know if there's a fifth quarterback. He's right on that line. Uh, maybe maybe Herbert. Maybe let's not get but carried I, I don't, away. I, but but I think I, again, again, I think that that's that's that grouping of like three or four guys that kind of could slide into that five spot. I don't know that he's out of it. I'd probably take him over over Lawrence and Herbert, but I can't think of, of a fifth guy. A lot guy. of disrespect to the two-time defending MVP. But do you feel like Zach, like watching him this playoffs? And and again, would I be surprised if in three days we find out that he had? a major elbow injury or a major shoulder injury or something like that? Would you be surprised if he had a surgery coming? Uh, because, I mean, a lot of turnovers down the stretch this season. And they're, they're, the, the cloak of invincibility sort of went away on him, though, didn't it? I mean, I think that's fair to say. I, I agree, but I think Ryan made the the best point of it earlier in the week when he talked about they just have had no semblance of a running game. And when you look back at that game, I mean, Cincinnati ran the ball at will. They did. And that and that freed stuff up. And, you know, it, Buffalo, for as talented as they are, they're still they, – I mean, they're not able to run the ball. Right after Diggs, you know, I mean, you're talking what? I mean, they just – we talked about it last week. Like, they brought Cole Beasley back. Yeah. You know, Dawson Knox is – fine for what he is but you know so I think there there is a lack of some of that high-end talent there with him um, but the lack of running game really really creates problems when you get down to you know this time of year and that's why when 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 you always hear commentators say you know you got to be able to run the ball in in the playoffs to win it's it's not that you have to run the ball for 150 yards it's that the threat of the run has to be enough that you're able to throw the ball and, and eventually you've got to be able to you've got to be able to get yardage short without having to throw the ball. You've got to be able to move the ball three to four yards and pick up a first down from third and two without having to drop back and pass. I mean, it's it's eventually that's demoralizing enough for a defense that it's going to help you win the game. And you have to have that in the postseason because that's I mean, you're up against the best defenses. So. I mean, I, I agree. I mean, obviously, you know, you're, you're talking about something that I was saying, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a big, big supporter of running the ball. I like toting the rock. I just wish that 
I wish that we could have seen them with a better uh, uh, with a better run game going into the playoffs. And what we got to see in this game was Diggs. I guess well, it's year five or something right now, or year four in Buffalo. So that tells you that well. Maybe Stefan Diggs has had just about enough. Now he says, well, I'm not comfortable with losing ever. Well, okay, that's that's fine. There's ways to do that without showing up your quarterback on the field. And you just get the vibe. Like to me, the alpha quarterbacks, like Joe Burrow, if Jamar Chase got in Joe Burrow's face, I feel like Joe Burrow would have gotten right back in his. Like you just don't do it to the elite guys in this league. Like do you think Mike Evans would let ever let, you know, get in Tom Brady's face? Never. Never would do that. So, like, for Josh Allen to just stand there and let Diggs make a fool out of him on TV, I guess I didn't love that. And I'm worried about how that situation goes, uh, how that situation fixes itself going forward. It may not fix itself. Well, and I don't think Allen didn't even look up, right? Like he didn't he didn't even acknowledge that it was happening. Yeah. I'd want a piece so. of him if that was me. I don't know, Zach. I don't, that's this kind of body language stuff that maybe is overrated, but it sticks out to me. It it did bring me back to that uh, that old video, um, uh, when they're in the Vikings locker room, and they're interviewing all the different Vikings player, and the questions is, is, which teammate would you least like to date your sister? <laughs> and every single guy says Diggs. Every single guy says Diggs. <laughs> and then he gets to the end, and they tell him they're like, "Hey, you're you're kind of the runaway favorite for this." And then some some guy I can't remember who it is, and and they're like, well, why why did you pick him? And Diggs is like, because he's ugly. <laughs> <laughs> I just think Diggs is look. Diggs is a fine receiver. I'm not trying to say he's not good, but like I think he has a very high opinion of himself, like really high, like almost too high. Like he thinks he is the best receiver in the league, and like he's just not. Like and that's where you start to look at Buffalo and you mentioned how they they don't have really a semblance of a running game. I think they thought James Cook was going to be better than he was. Singletary's, you know, he's just he's fine. He is what he is, right? There's nothing special there. But you look at that wide receiver core and all of a sudden you're like, "All right, Diggs, Gabe Davis, Cole Beasley. I mean, that's not as scary as Jamar Chase, T Higgins, Hayden Hurst. I mean, it's just not." No, and and this is really, I mean, this is the window for Cincinnati here. Right, yes. these these receivers are going to get paid, and I mean he's right. Like T. Higgins is probably gone at the end of the year because of all the other guys that have to get paid. So you know Cincinnati really has to take their best shot this year at it. Um, but they thoroughly outplayed them in this game, right? I mean it never it never felt competitive. No, and it, it was largely because of, of Cincinnati's defense. I mean, it, they just they just dominated Buffalo in the trenches. They got to Josh Allen. They were able to consistently get to Josh Allen. It just felt like every time that that they had that Buffalo was starting to build something, here comes Cincinnati's defense, and they're they're just they're crumbling that 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 Buffalo offense. And we've ta- and we've talked about the Buffalo defense for a long time, and they, you know, went up against three backup linemen, and I mean it. You, who knew, right? I mean, you wouldn't you wouldn't have even yeah. known that they went up against a bunch of backups on the offensive line because they really dominated that game. Tony, yeah, Tony Romo, at, you know, at the beginning of the game was just you know all over Leslie for like, oh, Leslie Frazier's got to be a head coach in this league and blah 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 blah. And I'm not saying Leslie shouldn't be, but it was like, you know, you say that, 
but he hasn't stopped anybody yet. So, like, maybe let's hang on a minute here. Like, that defense was getting picked apart by Burrow, and Burrow got what he wanted. I mean, there was ton. I mean, and credit Zach Taylor. I actually thought Zach Taylor called the best playoff game of of anybody. Maybe Andy Reid called a good one too. But I thought Zach Taylor was really good as a coach this weekend. That was really impressive. I, I will say this. Um, I saw Leslie Frazier as a head coach. He should not be a head coach in this league. I saw him as a head coach, too. I thought he was just okay. Now, it's a little unfair because he had Christian Ponder as his quarterback. But, hey, you know, okay. But now you, he also had he also had the 32nd ranked defense in the NFL the year that he was here. So, But he was a defensive coach. Like, that can't happen. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Right? He was he wasn't his defense wasn't good as the head coach of the Vikings. Yeah, he's uh, he's fine at what he's doing, but I don't think anyone's going to knock down doors to get him. And it goes back to, you know, our issues with Frazier when he was the coach here was like it's the same issues Tampa's feeling with Tad, Todd Bowles. It's like I can't have my coach be catatonic on the sidelines. Like I, I I can't I cannot I need my coach to at least look like they're making adjustments, look like they're engaged. I mean, but just standing there stoically, I, I can't have it. I can't. I can't. Can't have it. So, and, and one of the it. one of the one of the storylines that came out of this game was it feels like that the feeling out of, from fans in Buffalo is that Sean McDermott kind of punted on this game. It, it felt like that that he gave up on the game, and you know, I, I the game never felt close. It never felt like it was in doubt. Uh, I mean, it, it just. Buffalo just couldn't do anything. And it's I obviously, you know, Zach mentioned this and I think he's right. It's this is the window for Cincinnati, but you kind of get the sense that this is kind of the window for Buffalo. Too. I was going to just ask you that, right? Ryan. That's I'm glad you brought and that up. Is that is the window closed on Buffalo? Are they in trouble? Uh, I think it's, it, as long as you've got a decent quarterback, I don't think it's ever closed, closed. But I mean, it, right now, the comparison that I'm I'm asking in my head right now. Would you rather have Josh Allen or Dak Prescott? I'd still rather have Josh Allen. Yeah, I'd rather have Josh Allen too. But it's a, I think it's a, it's comparable, right? At times, the way they throw picks, the mistakes they make, when 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 these things are happening, where they're happening on the field, they seem to be comparable quarterbacks. And to me, if I'm looking at a, a Super Bowl caliber roster like Buffalo's supposed to have, like Dallas is supposed to have. I think it's fair to ask the question if these are the guys that can get it done. And I, I, I like to think they can. I like Josh Allen. I think Dak Prescott is better than, he, than, than some people say that he is, and he's played well at times. He's played terribly at times. But you'd like to see more consistency, I think, if, you're, if you think that the, the Super Bowl window can continue beyond you know, this season and, and maybe next season. Do you think, Zach, that it's a question or a, a situation where Allen took a big step forward and moved into the top five stratosphere very quickly. And now defenses have sort of made some adjustments defensively with him to kind of figure him out. And now like he and Ken Dorsey and McDermott have to kind of go back into the lab and, and figure out something new here again, or establish a new wrinkle. I mean, what do you think that is as a coach? Like when you feel like you've been figured out kind of, how do you reinvent the wheel for lack of a better term? Well, I think, you know, I, they need to evolve offensively with some of these weapons, right? I mean, look at, look at the other teams left. And, right, you know, you can talk about Kansas City and San Francisco, and they both have tight ends that are factors. 
right? And they're able to run the ball, you know, in Cincinnati as well as those other places. And so I think that, like, it's not the window's not closed on Buffalo, but it's not going to get any easier, right? We don't think Kansas City's going anywhere. We think Cincinnati's pretty good and will continue to be good, even though they might need to, you know, make some some personnel decisions here. We think Jacksonville's um, good. Jacksonville's on the come, right? Like, so I think I think that it's not going to get any easier for them. You know, my other thing too, like, let's let's be honest here about Buffalo for a second and their fans, like, like. Their fans are obnoxious, and just because you are long-suffering doesn't mean you're good fans. It's fair. Eagles think, fans, like, too. I'm not rooting for the Eagles just for that reason this that, Sunday. That, that happened to um, – that happened again, I think. It happened, like, with the Cubs fans, too, right? Like, Cubs fans act like they're the greatest fans in the world because they were long-suffering. Like, no, you're not. Like, that doesn't make you a good fan just because your team sucks for a long time. In fairness, the Bengals are long-suffering, too. Well, yeah. Right, the, I, don't, the, I don't find Bengals fans as uh, annoying or as... A- no, I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I'm, I'm pointing out that, you know, Bengals fans are also long-suffering. You know, they have been to fewer Super Bowls less recently than the, uh, than the Bills. And that's saying something. I'm, I'm rooting for the Bengals this weekend. I love Mahomes. I love Reed. This is actually going to be a great game. I'm looking forward to that one. Um, let's let's go to the NFC, though, first, and maybe we can get back. We can circle back to Kansas City, unless you want to talk Kansas City real quick, because I don't think there's much to talk about in that game other than Mahomes' injury. What do you guys want? Do you want to go NFC, or do you want to stay in the AFC and just finish this? We can finish it real quick. Yeah, I just I just wanted to like I just wanted to say, you know, Zach, Zach was, was right on this uh, last week that, I mean, Trevor Lawrence is absolutely like that window is is opening, and it's because of Trevor Lawrence. Like he is very good at what he does, and and it also I think it also is the head coach, right? Yeah. Doug Peterson has made a huge difference there. Uh, we've seen he knows how to win. Uh, and and I I'll, I'll say this like that the game kind of played out. Um, how I thought, like competitive game early, Kansas City pulls away towards the end. Um, the the injury uh, is is definitely going to be interesting to see how mobile he is this week, yeah. especially with that Bengal pass rush and high ankle sprains. Mm-hmm. The idea that I mean, I get that he's going to give it a go on the high ankle sprain, and I understand that, but like the high ankle sprain is legit. Like that's usually a three game, like one month off kind of injury. And the idea that he's going to turn it around in six days and feel, you know, and feel good enough to play against that Bengals defense feels like a reach. Well, and he is, it's on his plant leg too, right? It's on his right leg. So he's, he's going to have to drive off that foot. He's going to have to plant on that foot and throw from that leg frequently. Every time he drops back, he's going to feel that. It's not just, you know, he's not just going to stand there and throw off his front foot. He's, I mean, he's pushing off that back leg. He needs that stability and that strength. So, it, I mean, it, it can affect his throw. It can affect his motion. It can affect how long he takes to throw the ball. Uh, and and split seconds in the NFL can make that much of a difference. So I'm not saying they're going to lose because of it, because Kansas City has shown the ability to kind of Houdini some of these situations. But 
uh, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be back there facing an NFL pass rush without an, with a bad ankle. I well, mean, it's and that and that team and and the coaching staff deserves credit because that game, right? I mean, Henny went in and went ninety six yards in a touchdown drive. Yep. Yeah. Right. And I mean, and that's really the difference in that game, right? If if he goes out there and he is three and out and they punt it back and yep. you know. It was ten seven at that point, right? That's a that's a football game when Henny goes into the game. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so, um, you know, I I think um, it, it's going to be interesting to see, right? Because Cincinnati is now favored, right? That line has flipped. Um, it started out with Kansas City as one point favorites, and now it's all the way up to Cincinnati as one and a half point favorites. So that makes me wonder too how much has gotten out there. What what is the ankle situation? Uh, where where is Kansas City at on that? Because yeah, how much of that it, is the sharp money too? Like, is that the Vegas wise guys, or is that just the crazy you know, you know, just the regular duffers that throw a bunch of money at something to move well, that line I, the way they did? It, moving a line two and a half points is pretty significant. Yeah, that's huge. So there's got to be some some big money on that. Um, and, and, and the reality is like, there's, there might be some people who would have gone that route to begin with, right? There are some people who probably would have started pushing money towards Cincinnati, regardless of the ankle situation. But with that ankle, I think there's a lot of questions now. One thing that's for sure is that, you know, they're definitely happy to have the home field, maybe not. Although you mentioned it, Zach, maybe they'd want to play Buffalo on the neutral site versus have to deal with Cincinnati the way they're playing right now. Because Cincinnati did the old chip on their shoulder thing. It's working because they were like, you know, uh, offended at that tickets being sold for the neutral site game. And uh, they do seem like they're the team that's the, the healthier, hungrier team, minus the offensive line, of course. But this is a, you know... Andy Reid's a great coach. Kansas City's great. I love Mahomes. Uh, this Cincinnati team is downright scary, and they might they might have the Chiefs' number here. I'm a, I, I think the Bengals can and and maybe should win this game. It's well, kind I mean, of a scary thought. Three in a row, right? Yeah, yeah, and it's partly because their D coordinator uh, has kind of kind of devised a little scheme on Mahomes, and it seems like it's working. And now that you have a gimpy Mahomes. You just wonder if that's going to play right into the Bengals' hands. So, yeah, I would love to see Cincinnati win this too. I think, you know, we talked about this. Like, I the the storyline of Mahomes getting close and failing a bunch of times um, becomes an intriguing one, right? Because we, you know, he I'm sure he thought and we thought it was all going to be super easy for him, but now here we are. Well, it's it's kind of the, I hate to put it this way because we know how that ended there is ending, but it's kind of like Russell Wilson, right? Russell Wilson comes in and lights the league up. They win their Super Bowl, and and then he loses to Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, and suddenly it's a game of of you know is the window actually open, right? And and you know really really good for years, but they just can't quite seem to get back to the pinnacle, and it it's the the old curse of the old man. You know, just can't seem to can't seem to get back after you lose to Tom Brady as a young quarterback for some reason. I think some of it though is kind of like what we're seeing with Brock Purdy as we kind of transition. Like, I don't get me wrong, I think Brock Purdy's playing really, really well. But how many passes should have been picked off on Sunday? Right? Probably two, three, one for sure that was in Trayvon Diggs' hands that he dropped. 
and you're just sitting there going, God, that that was Mahomes the first two, three years in the league. That was Tom, too, the first how many years in the league, where it just felt like every ball that could have been picked off somehow gets through the hands and gets dropped, right? And it's just like, it's almost like it's meant to be or it's divine intervention or it's whatever it is. But now that Mahomes is starting, those chances that Mahomes are starting to take is maybe is showing up an injury or showing up in a turnover. Same thing with Josh Allen. Those chances that used to be taken that you used to get away with, now you can't. You wonder if that sort of transferred its way down to the Brock Purdy's of the world and to the Joe Burrows to a certain extent because Burrow doesn't seem like he makes a ton of mistakes. Well, I think really that that kind of archetype started with the two-time reigning MVP. I mean, it's Aaron Rodgers created the this kind of ability and showed quarterbacks around the league. I mean, Tom Tom did it too. He didn't do it with the deep ball as much as as much as Rodgers has, but the ability to pick a defense apart with a high volume of passes without turning the ball over is very much Aaron Rodgers. Right, Peyton Manning threw picks. Brady threw picks. Not maybe not, not maybe not, maybe not as many. Roethlisberger threw picks, but the the guy who has the crazy touchdown to interception ratio is the guy in Green Bay, and it, it feels like that that's where a lot of these guys have learned. Like, take what the defense gives gives you over and over and over again, and eventually they're going to give you a big play, and trust your offensive coordinators to scheme a big play up for you. Trust your guys. Don't just try to make the play to make the play. Understand that it's a team game, and that's that's where I think Rodgers was super successful early on, and that's where a lot of these young guys are successful early on. Is they're they're surrounded by playmakers in these situations, and they're making plays, just getting the ball in their guys' hands and letting them go to work. They're not they're you know in some cases the quarterback's making a great play, but most times it's as a quarterback I understand that I'm I'm not maybe the most athletic guy on the team. I'm going to get the ball in the hands of someone who is. Well, let's I mean let's circle back here to. Purdy for a second because I he has played well he did not play great last week um there was definitely some you know issues uh but he's still getting the job done and I mean it, it sounds like it's his job in San Francisco now right like yeah the more and more we're hearing the more that they're gonna go with him and I think you have to go with him at this point right we've talked about the Trey Lance issues and him not playing um but really, in that game, I mean, uh, San Francisco continued to play really good defense, right? They created turnovers, um, which, you know, the 49ers did not turn the ball over. Yep. Um, they were able to run the ball. Dallas couldn't really run the ball, right? And so I think that it, we really saw all those other – I mean, he's in a perfect spot, right? Purdy's yep. in a great spot for him. But I think you got to go into next year with him as the quarterback. I agree. And I, you know, you really have to question. I think at this point, what you're doing with Dak Prescott. I think that's fair. I think that's kind of the question that came out of the game, right? Was that you felt like Prescott threw picks that that led to points or took ten po- took points off the board. For example, the red zone t- the red zone pick that leads to a field goal. San Francisco goes up nine six at the half. That's potentially a ten point swing. Right. If you can score it, if, if Dallas punches it in there, they take the lead at the half. Maybe they're up 13 6 or 12 6 or whatever they have to do. If the, if the kicker can't make the extra point or you go for two, you're up 14 6, something like that. That's a big swing to instead go down 9 6. And 
you just felt like Prescott was incapable of making the big play. It really came down to two plays, I thought. Uh, that pick, and I thought it came down to Kittle's crazy circus catch that was like a 30-yard completion because it felt like the big plays were hard to come by. Uh, C.D. Lamb wasn't getting separation. You couldn't go down the field. And Dak wasn't efficient enough in the short passing game over the middle. No Tony Pollard breaks his leg. That kills him. But I thought it came down to those plays. And like that's where you look at your quarterback to be like, all right, this is what we're paying you $45 million for, to go and win this game somehow. Will us to victory, quarterback. This is what we pay you for. And I just thought, like, he just – that's just not in him. I just, you know, the playoffs sort of reveal that stuff. Or if it is in him, he needs to go back to the lab and he needs to figure out how to get better. And I think that was the difference. Purdy found a way to make one big play and that was enough to get him down the field, get a score, and they won the game. That was the difference. Purdy made a big play. Prescott did not. Yeah, and and I... we You know, we've talked about McCarthy and people like to jump on him. Um, especially after that last play, right? It was a little bizarre, like, the last play. Well, I, I so, okay, I, I do want, like, we talked about this, like, it makes sense to take linemen off the field and put athletic guys out there. Yep, I agree. Because really the only thing you have to worry about is the first pass that's caught, right? But other than that, I, like, I, I don't know what they were trying to accomplish with that. I would have liked to see what the next step was. Um, because really like they snapped the ball and the defender's like, well, I'm just going to put Zeke on his ass. Right. And, and then they tackled the guy on first throw. So I don't know what that was supposed to be. Um, it, it was eerily similar to that Pat's Pat's Colts Sunday night game where like the Colts lined up this weird formation and the Patriots were like, I don't know what you're doing, but we're just going to kill you. And that's going to be the end of the game. And you sort of just looked at it and went like, I don't know what Chuck Pagano's doing, but uh, that's not professional football, what I just saw. And it buries you because obviously we think Pagano's a good coach. And McCarthy, I didn't think coached a bad game up to that point. I really didn't think so. Well, and I think McAfee said too, like McAfee's like, uh, we were not supposed to snap the ball on that play. (laughs) The ball was not supposed to be snapped. And then, you know, it gets snapped and it's absolute chaos. Yep. I don't I guess I don't I don't know what the plan is with that. Right? Like you don't really have any blockers. It's you're just kind of throwing it into open space against a, a defense wherever guys accounted for. Like I don't what are you doing? Why are we why are we running this? This makes no sense. I and he just gets killed. Turpin gets destroyed. On that play, just got uh, demolished on that tackle. It's an interesting concept. I just don't understand. I agree it. with the idea that maybe it's a concept that I would have. I would actually love it if McCarthy came out and said, and he's not going to because coaches don't want to reveal anything. But like, if he would have came out and said, "Here's what we were trying to do. Like, this is the theory behind this. We've run this play in practice. This is what it's supposed to do. We didn't execute X, Y, and Z." I think well, if I, coaches did that, that would make a lot of sense for fans because at least they could maybe find some reason to it. So I think the hard part is on on some of those gimmicky plays and different things, you go into your practice and you practice it against your defense and your defense will just give you one look against it, right? Because your defensive guy says, well, this is how we'd line up against it or this is how we would attack this. And then when it comes to game time and you don't get that look and you have no clue what look you're going to get because there's not a – you know, like – you don't get to see film on it. 
um, and it's not what you were expecting, then all hell breaks loose. Exactly. And it just it just felt like the they kind of got I, I think part of it was the clock management that led up to it too. Like I felt like they burned timeouts like really fast. And I thought that they burned a lot of clock like late in the game unnecessarily. Like they needed well, to have possessions. And I just felt like they took they just took too long in some possessions and they didn't they didn't handle it with urgency when they needed to. It's like, hey guys, you're the team that's losing right now. You might want to pick this up a little bit. Okay, so I want to break off the path here for a moment and talk about Greg Olson and some of this stuff. Okay, that's that's oh, let's, sure. let's transition to broadcasting for a minute. Because because this this is, you know, I as as everyone was praising Greg Olson and ripping on to- Tony Romo this weekend, I was like, you know, I I do not find Greg Olson uh enjoyable. And I, I really tried to figure out why. And when I when I went back and rewatched some of the end of that game, what I realized is is like he just he he finds the most rudimentary thing, and then he harps on it. Mm. And so like at the end of that game, right, he was talking, uh, like oh the the Cowboys got to punt this quick here. They got to punt this quick, right? And you know so they're running the punt team on, and then San Francisco's running their punt team on, right? And so they they finally punt the ball, and he keeps talking about it for two or three plays. God, they burned so much time punting it there. And yeah. And and so, like, yes, they wanted to punt it quickly, but there's so many more layers to that. And I think that's that's what bugs me about him is he gets stuck on one little talking point and he misses other big things. So, like, right, like, well, why can't you punt the ball as fast as you wanted there? Well, when you sub in, right, now the defense gets a chance to match. And, you know, it's and under two minutes, that's not a thing, right? Under two minutes, you can sub in and go as fast as you can. Right, but over two minutes, which it was, they they the refs hold the snap up. Yep. So the 49ers can take their time getting onto the field. Right. So that was part of it. Also, how about the quarterback who just got tackled in bounds again? Exactly. Right? I mean, shades of last year. You know, and and no mention of that. But he kept harping on this fact like they didn't punt the ball fast enough. And, you know, I mean, if if you also if you want to talk clock management there. Like the 49ers should not have fair caught that ball. Yeah. Right. That's they fair catch it with 203 on the clock. He should let that hit and bounce twice and take it to the two minute warning. Yep. I agree so, with that too. Like, I just, I just think that like Greg Olson, sometimes he's describing the game for my aunt who is not a football fan, but she's just a fan of the team because they're in town. So she's watching. <laughs> and 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 he misses some bigger things I think. Okay. And I know that there is something to be said for broadcasting for everyone. Um but I think sometimes he just he he drives me a little nuts in that. Yeah, and you know, my issue I think Olsen has actually Olsen and Burkhart together I think have gotten better as the season progresses. I spend a lot of time looking at announcers. I don't know, it's just the old announcer in me. I spend a lot of time looking at it. I actually think Burkhart and Olsen have gotten better. They still don't have a lot of gravitas to them. Like, that's the only problem. Like, it doesn't feel like that has cachet. Like, ooh, it's a big game. Burkhart and Olsen are on it. You know, it's the same thing with the other game. When they did the the Eagles-Giants game, it was Joe Davis and Moose Johnston. And I'm like, God, as a Vikings fan, I've had Moose Johnston call enough of my shitty games that I, I don't need Moose Johnston calling a big game. That doesn't feel like a big game to me. And... 
The issue, I think Olsen has gotten better as the season's gone along. I think him and Burkhart have worked pretty well together. I think they've been decent. And I think Romo, as much as I think I'm a Romo guy, I like Romo, I like Nance. I just think this hasn't been a good year for Romo. I feel like Romo's gotten a little lazier. I just feel like he's kind of resting on his laurels. I feel like if the game is a blowout, Romo is just completely disinterested. Um, and it's a lot of, oh my God, Jim. I don't, I don't know, Jim. That's ah, crazy, Jim. And I'm just like, maybe less of that. Like, I, that I was maybe fun five years ago. But can you tell me what's happening? Ro- Romo does this a lot too, and so does Greg Olson. But I think Collinsworth is the one who pioneered it that we show an instant replay. <laughs> And he like their analysis is just to say what's happening, yep. But say it really slowly, and like, <laughs> like, you know, like, I don't know. Does he get in? You know, you know, like, and and all they're doing is just like saying, "Oh, I don't know, Jim. I don't know if he got the second foot in bounds." Yeah, and so like that's that's another pet peeve of mine is that gotta get I don't know. Gene Spirator on the phone. I I don't know who your ideal booth is, but I think mine starts with Mike Tarico. I think Tarico's terrific. I think and Tarico's call um, is pretty consistently good. He's engaging. He's entertaining. He's accurate. He's informative. He gives the right amount of energy to a call. It's not the comatose Al Michaels Tony Dungy call of last week. Like Al Michaels is gonna is gonna whine his way right out of the business. Like he wants to keep broadcasting forever. It's like, well, you better show more interest then, pal. Like you better enjoy the games you're doing. Like get into it. I get it. You ain't calling the miracle on ice anymore. I get it. But like, find a way. Find a way to enjoy it. Or go to Fox and replace Joe Davis and work with Moose Johnston. If that's what you want to do. Yeah. I'm I'm still a big Kevin Harlan guy. I yeah, I, I, agree. I love Kevin Harlan. I like Harlan too. Does Harlan do much TV anymore? He does a he does a CBS basketball. He but. does a CBS game every week. Like he's, okay. but he's like number two or three yeah. because Nance is one, and I think yep. Harlan might be two with Trent Green or whatever it is. And he does Monday night I, on the radio. I, I'd rather have Kevin Harlan than Jim Nance, personally. If I'm, I, I, if I'm five, if I'm building a booth, I'd rather have him. I think Nance is really good. Like I like Nance. He's solid. I think he's learned to figure out how to work with Romo. Like it's worked really, really well for him. What I think has happened, like if I'm Fox, I got to call up CBS and be like, Hey, can we get Harlan for like one game in the playoffs for, you know, and give him, you know, just something, give me, give a, give us Joe Davis. Now we can't have Joe Davis doing a football game. I'm sorry. We just can't have Moose Johnson on this game. So give me Kevin, give me Trent green and we'll call it a day, you know, and we'll, we'll find some way to make this work, but it's just, it's, the, the broadcasting this weekend, it's like you have Tr- you have Buck and Aikman who are probably playing TPC Sawgrass somewhere, you know, having a great time, not calling any football. And it's like, I don't know, the best broadcasting team isn't calling a game on playoff weekend. Like, I don't know. We got to figure this out. Where's Gus Johnson? Yeah. I, I really I do really like Joe Buck. I like Joe Buck more than I like Joe Buck 10 years ago. Joe Buck's great. I've been a Joe Buck guy forever. If you would have asked me 10 years ago, I wouldn't have been a Joe Buck fan, but I like Joe Buck. I think Joe Buck's gotten better, especially for football. He's always been good for baseball, but I definitely think there were a few years where he he audibly just didn't give a shit about football, and uh, I definitely feel like that's gotten better as as years have gone here. But it's 
if you would like I said, if you would ask me ten years ago, I wouldn't have. Uh, I wouldn't have. And I think Tariko and Collinsworth are good. Like Collinsworth, you're right. I agree with you, Zach, 100. percent Collinsworth loves to do the. Uh, I don't know, Mike. Uh, this Patrick Mahomes. Oh my God. I mean, are you kidding me? Right. Oh my God. Every play is the greatest play he's ever seen. Every play, Mahomes throws a pass for like a six yard outside arm, and he's like. Mike, I don't know. I mean, it's three-dimensional chess watching Patrick Mahomes play quarterback. I, I mean, it's incredible. He he's sort of fallen in to the same thing that like Romo has done that little caricature um, stuff that, I think that Gruden used to do where they just love everyone. Yep. Everyone's the best ever. And I get why Gruden was doing it because eventually he was going to come out of the booth and coach. So he was going to have to coach some of those guys. You know, so you can't be be ripping on them on on TV and then go coach them in a year. Yep. But uh, like, I mean, I, I'm not saying I need more negativity, but how about some critical approach to it? You know, I mean, that was the Romo one, right? Like, oh, it's a perfect pass, just three feet out of bounds. Yeah, like, well, <laughs> you were totally. <laughs> Remember, that's the key. If ever we're gonna do a Tony Romo impression, it's got to be oh, I, oh, like everything is like just pre-orgasm with Tony Romo. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just, I love Tony, but it's just too much. Like it's too much. I need him to rein it in just a little bit as a broadcasting guy. And I pay attention to this stuff. Let me see that. Uh, So (laughs) we, so I guess we don't need to talk about giants Eagles. The only thing I want to say about that game, and then we'll preview the two games that are coming up is Jalen hurts last year when they lost to Tampa guys, I thought Jalen Hurts wasn't a real quarterback. I was like, ah, sorry, Eagles, this isn't going to work. Credit Jalen Hurts. Like, he he went in the lab with Nick Sirianni. They got better. Like, he got better. Sirianni got better. Like, every like mechanics improved. And the video shows that on Hurts. Like, all it's, his stuff is just better. Is there a less likable coach in the NFL than Sirianni? No, he feels like a guy that would be pissed off at the drive-thru at Starbucks and, like, would berate the barista who makes, you know, $10 an hour for the for the latte taking an extra two minutes. Or, you know, he'd be the guy holding up the line at McDonald's. I get big, coked-out tech bro vibes yeah. from, from Nick Sirianni. Sirianni's upset the- because McDonald's stopped serving the Egg McMuffin at 1040, and he's trying to figure out why he can't get it, and, you know... It just that feels like feels like to me the kind of guy who would uh, I don't know maybe toss out an antiquated phrase or two and you know <laughs> start ranting and raving about cancel culture when someone calls him on it like it's like what, what do you mean I can't say that bro you you offended you offended that I would say something yeah man I think it's yeah that, that seems like Syriana to me just like the kind of very very dude bro good coach. Great football coach. Just, I get bad vibes from him. He's very Philadelphia to me. Uh, my my only other observation from the game is, um, are we? Re- I mean, are we willing to really talk about how far away Minnesota actually is? Yeah. Yes. After that, right? I mean, like it feels like they're even further than maybe what we thought, because that Giants team absolutely got hammered. Book it, Ryan. We were 13 and four this year. I think we definitely punched above our weight. We got lucky. That Vikings team will not make the playoffs next year. They will win six to seven games. I think I think they're going to be closer to 500 than six or seven games. But I definitely think that the the retool that we thought would be this year is definitely going to be next year. 
Um, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not under any, you know, idea that the Vikings were going to win the Super Bowl. You know, but <laughs> I, I thought maybe, I thought maybe we could, I thought maybe we could, you know, get lucky and find a couple bounces, but. You know, that that defense wasn't good. I wasn't sitting here making excuses for the defense. I thought the offense might be able to carry them, but nope. <laughs> and and I, at some point, the defense was just too heavy to carry. And, you know, that that's what's got to get better. You've got to you've got to find a way to, to bring your age down while keeping your production up. And that's incredibly hard to do in the NFL. And we're looking at a potential quarterback change in the next, you know, next two years for Minnesota, which is always a rocky transition. I know that we have started the, the, uh, we cut open a vein here on Ryan. <laughs> we, like we have, we have started, yeah, we've started the, the, the migration of green Bay quarterbacks from the New York jets to, uh, to Minnesota already, you know, with, with Rogers potentially getting traded to New York and, you know, Minnesota's going to need a quarterback in a year or two. And, you know, a 40-year-old Aaron Rodgers suiting up in purple. Stop it. Uh, don't, don't. For do one, this la- one last ride. No, like, don't do this to yourself. Don't, don't do the, this. You, you're I'm, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm telling you what I've seen on Twitter. I don't want it. I'd rather they draft a guy. But, uh, hey. I'll, uh, I'll say this. You know, like, in their defense, like, they wouldn't have had to go to Philadelphia had they won. Yeah. Right, yeah. they could have gone, but I, st- I still think the Niners would have blown their doors off. I am. I mean, maybe, maybe it might have been more competitive than Niners than, might have uh, been a better matchup than Philadelphia. Might have been more competitive than thirty-eight-seven, yeah. but but you'd still then you'd still have to go to Philadelphia for the the NFC Championship game if you can. And win. Ryan couldn't and, face yeah. that. Ryan couldn't face another NFC title game loss in Philadelphia. Like he would have, been, we would have never been able to have a podcast after that. Like oh. that would have been no good. Uh, Creasel's been melting down today on Twitter with Eagle fans. So, oh, weird. Creasel's melting down. Yeah. Um, weird. so I mean, you know, looking forward, I think that, um, like I'm gonna go with the 49ers against Philadelphia. Okay, why so? And I think it's gonna be a physical game. It's gonna be a run game. I just like I'm I'm gonna buy in with the Brock Purdy magic. Um, I'm gonna stay in with it. I I think that Philadelphia's got some come up and headed their way. Yeah. They're just, they're just a little smug for me, my taste right now. Um, and I think I'm, I'm, I'll be rooting for the 49ers. Ryan, let's go right to that. What do you think? I'm also rooting for the 49ers here. I, I'm, I think that this is the best defense that Philly is going to have seen all year. Um, we've not really seen a front seven that could, that could match, uh, Philadelphia's offensive line outside of the Dallas Cowboys, who, uh, you know, Philadelphia, they're upset about San Francisco famously just handled. Uh, so I think that, uh, I think that if, if you're looking for the better counterpart uh, on, on something like that, then, I mean, San Francisco is, is better than Dallas. I think they've been better than Dallas. And as long as Brock Purdy doesn't completely melt down on the road in the playoffs, then we're going to be looking at, uh, at San Francisco in the Super Bowl. I'm rooting for San Francisco, but I think Philadelphia wins this game. Uh, I just think that at home, uh, again, Brock Purdy in a high, high leverage road game. We haven't really seen that yet. And this is our first real chance to see that it's going to be cold. So it's not going to be, you know, Bay Area warm. It's going to be cold out. 
I don't know if it's going to be below zero in Philly like it's going to be here, but it's not going to be great. Uh, now, Shanahan can coach in those conditions. They won in Green Bay last year on the road, so I'm not really worried that the coach can game plan it. I definitely think they can. And I think D'Amico Ryans is a legitimately good. There's a reason why these head coach vacancies haven't filled yet, and I think there are teams that are waiting on D'Amico Ryans uh, because I think he's going to be a head coach next year. So I wonder uh, how this all plays itself out. But I'm rooting for San Fran because I'd love Brock Purdy versus Joe Burrow in the Super Bowl. I think that would be just fantastic. But I think it's Jalen Hurts. I think the Eagles are going to win this game. And I hope for a good one, and I hope I'm wrong. All right. How about the other game? We've got Cincy at Kansas City, so no neutral site. I guess all's well that ends well in the uh, in the AFC situation. Um, Ryan? How about you go first? What do you think of this one? Uh, I think that it's uh, remarkably difficult to maintain this level of success and just having a team's number on the road in the playoffs for Cincinnati against a team like Kansas City. With that said, I think that Mahomes being hurt, even if he plays, especially if he doesn't, uh, it's going to be really hard for Kansas City's defense, which is not as good as it's been in years past, uh, to keep up with with Cincinnati. Cincinnati is, for my money, and, and I've been consistent with this for weeks on this podcast, Cincinnati to me is the best team in the NFL. And uh, they're, they're playing complete football. They're playing strong defense. They're playing excellent offense. They're just physical up front. They're throwing the ball well off of the play action. They're throwing the ball well on straight drops. And uh, I think that if, if especially if, if Mahomes isn't playing, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Cincinnati. But I'm gonna take them regardless. Well, I think yeah, if Mahomes is not playing, that completely shifts. yeah for yeah, Katie bar the door. That's over. You the know? whole game. Um, I, I will say. Uh, it's going to be tough for Cincinnati to go in there and win this game, if even if Mahomes is beat up. Um, I'll, I'll, I'm excited. That's the game I want to watch, right? Like the other game yeah. is whatever to me. That's the the appetizer for the main event later. I uh, and re- the reality is, you know, I, I think Cincinnati's a better team right now. I, I think they've got a better defense. The Kansas City defense is not what it's been. And so, you know, I mean, I is is there we're getting to that point too, where like, how many people are willing to bet against Joe Burrow? And that seems weird, right? Just three years into that, into this, but it's hard. It's hard to go against him. Well, he's got but it, the it's alpha male kind of energy. It's starting to feel like, you know, Brady Manning. You know, like that did in the in the mid two thousands, where we just know they're going to meet up at some point in the playoffs every year. It's going to be a great matchup every time. And it, I mean, at least right now, I think if you're asking me straight up who's the better quarterback, I think it's Mahomes. The same way that I would have told you that man to man, if you would have asked me who's the more talented quarterback, I think it was Peyton Manning. But Brady just had their number, and Brady just kept winning. And right now, Burrow's got their number, and Burrow's just winning. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I love the matchup. I don't think that there's a huge comparison there. I think Mahomes is is a freak and nothing like we've ever seen. But uh, 
you know, it, it, to me, it feels like one of those classic quarterback rivalries. And then you've got, then you've got the odd guys in there. Like obviously Lawrence could be, you know, in that mix and Allen is kind of the Roethlisberger who's going to, you know, poke his head in as the third man for the next, you know, 10, 15 years. But right now in the AFC, it's, it's Mahomes and it's Burrow. And I, I don't know that there's a super close third right now. Yeah, I, I'm a big Joe. I think Cincinnati wins this game. Joe Burrow has emerged as this alpha leader, this alpha male, this this one of one type guy. I mean, he's got the swagger that Brady never really had. I mean, you see just kind of the way Burrow carries himself. I, I just think he lives for this stuff. Like he's a big game hunter. Like this is what he is all about. He's wired for this. He's the anti Kirk Cousins. Um, the same way Mahomes is. Mahomes, I think, is also a big game guy. And when the money's on the line and I get a healthy Mahomes, I think I root for Mahomes and Reed. And I still will because I love Reed. I think Andy Reed's awesome. He looks like my dad. So, therefore, I have to love Andy Reed, I think, by law. Um, and I love Mahomes. But I think Burrow, Zach Taylor looks like he's come into his own as a top five coach in this league. Uh, I think he's – like he, he coached a brilliant game, like an A-plus game against the Bills on the road. Uh, I, I got to think he can do that again. I, I do. So give me Cincinnati to win that game. I think it's Cincinnati v. Philadelphia in the Super Bowl, and I will put all my chips on Cincinnati when we get there, barring crazy injury. That's where I'm at right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much with you on that. And I, I've been, like I said before, I've been on the Cincinnati train for weeks here. Um I mean, if, if anybody's listening to this and they want to verify that, just go back and listen. Every time I've been on this podcast, I've been saying for for weeks that have, Cincinnati's my team. I have but, a hard time keeping track if it's Cincinnati or the Chargers and Herbert, <laughs> which one you're on. Well, I, I like I liked the Chargers, but they were never higher than my fourth spot. So, But you have been a guy who said Herbert was a top five quarterback. Yeah, I think he's, he's definitely in that mix. But again, he's in that mix of three or four guys that slide into the fifth spot. So it's... You know, depending on the week and who's playing, you know, I'm, I I like him in that mix, but I don't think he's top four. Well, he can't be if Brandon Staley is going to be his coach. Just saying. No, I don't like I don't like Brandon Staley very much. It, yeah. He's right. He's going to be there. I mean, at this point, right? They're not going to yep. fire him now. No, they because they fired everybody else, the offensive coordinator yeah. and everybody else. That does, mean, coach. that does mean he's on the hot seat, though. Well, we'll keep an eye. He's, he's, but he's there for next year. We know that. Right. But that, I mean, next year, next year, he's got to be on the hot seat, right? How, what do you want to put the money on for first coach fired? Like, do you think he's first? You, do you like him as the leading vote getter for first coach fired next year? Josh McDaniels, maybe Todd Bowles. Like we, Todd we're going to that, that's going to be good. Todd Bowles would be my leader because they're not going to have a quarterback. They're the they just eight, fired nine staff. Todd Bowles got rid of nine guys. <laughs> So I just on the on the coaching talk, um, I'm seeing a lot of Frank Reich to Arizona. Ooh, okay. Um, That's interesting. So that seems like a thing. Uh, also, can we can we stop the Trey Lance is going to get traded for a third round draft pick talk? There's, there's <laughs> no chance that that is going to happen. Like if if that is if that is all that they can get in an offer for him, they're going to hang on to him. That's probably true. Right? Like, if, if that is truly what the market is for him, they're not getting rid of him for a third. Yeah, because he's so still under the on. rookie contract. Jimmy G's not going to be there. Right. So right. why move him? Yes. So 
So I think that like that needs to stop now. Stop t- everyone out there who wants their team to give up a third for them, like asinine. Well, the ru- uh, you know that you know the rumor mill is going to get hot and heavy right after the Super Bowl on guys like Rodgers and Love and Trey Lance and Garoppolo and Brady and uh, Rodgers said today he was surprised that the rumor mill had started up on him already because there was two good games this weekend. He said usually they wait for wait for that off week before the Super Bowl to drum up some stuff. <laughs> and you know what? We're going to monitor Rodgers closely because I've, I've heard this go both ways. And I think I'll, I, you know, I'm leaning that he stays, but you know, I mean, he's obviously going to be one of the big dominoes, him, Lamar Jackson, and a lot of that at Sean Payton. Like there are some big chips that we need to see fall in certain spots before we can really figure out like, how this fabric of this off season is going to work itself out. Especially when we get closer to the draft in our all night draft party that we do on uh, the live feed that becomes a two-part podcast. And then we're going to do that again for like the fourth consecutive year this year. Very, very excited for the big draft uh, night extravaganza. How how excited are you for this year's uh, baseball Hall of Fame class of nobody? Scott Rowland got nominated in. 76% of the vote. Yeah, I just, it's, I mean, like, I just, it gives me zero excitement to hear a Scott Rowland speech and that's it. Well, yeah, like, we're going to be, at what point, at what point do you stop calling it the Baseball Hall of Fame and start calling it the Cooperstown Museum of Baseball? It's like Scott Rowland was a fine player. Like, I'm not trying to say anything. Like, he was a good player, or even, even at times, a really good player. But at no point did I ever say, wow, Scott Rowland is is part of the fabric of of the game. Like we have to talk about him, in in you know in the same breath we talk about Mike Schmidt, or some of the Brooks Robinson and the great third baseman of all time in Major League Baseball. Never once have I thought that. This is why I think that the Football Hall of Fame is elite. In oh, that's that a lot of every, Hall of Good. You heard Deion Sanders. Every every almost every guy in that in that league, in that in that Hall of Fame, I can I can honestly say. I think that almost every guy belongs there. Tony Baselli. As far as tackles go, he was one no, of the best. Oh, stop. I don't know, Jim. I don't know. <laughs> Did my Tony Romo there on that one? I can't I can't give it to you. Can't. We can have But a- again, it's I said I said most, not all. We can have an argument about some guys, right? Baselli definitely one of those guys you can have an argument about. But right? There's a there's a lot of there's a lot of guys in that in that in the Hall of Fame that are absolutely deserve to be there. We can talk about that later. All right, let's wrap the pod. Zach's got to run and go do father stuff. I think Rhino's got to do it too. Hey guys, thanks for hanging out with me tonight. We really appreciate it. Uh, and again, obviously anywhere you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple podcast, go to Podbean, of course, Tim podcast at pod, uh, podbean.com. Go get yourself a uh, subscribing, a subscription to the podcast, share it out, tell your friends, comment, like all that stuff. Listen to all the other pods. We would really appreciate it. If you did so, we're coming up on episode 200 of the podcast. Can you believe that? 200 episodes of the pod. Crazy. So please make sure that you tune in for that and other things. So until next time, for Ryan, for Zach, this is Tim saying keep your head up. And we'll see ya. 